This week on Into It, we're going to cover a lot, including the controversy around Bradley Cooper's prosthetic nose in an upcoming movie of his. This nose is really big, and people are mad about it. But for me, it's just a moment to reminisce about my favorite prosthetic nose of all time, Nicole Kidman's In the Hours. Like, great, congratulations, wonderful performance. Did we need the nose? I don't know that we needed the nose. (laughs) But you remember the nose for the rest of your life. The nose in the hours is its own character. I'll never forget when Nicole Kidman won the Oscar for the hours, Denzel Washington opened the envelope and he was like, buy a nose. Buy a nose, Nicole Kidman. (laughs) (laughs) The delicious shade. More things we're into and pop culture news from the week after this break. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you're listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Sanders. And this week, we've got a hell of an episode for you. I'm joined by R. Eric Thomas, author, playwright, pop culture connoisseur. He's going to help me run through some big stories of the week. And then we're going to talk about his new book. It is called Congratulations, The Best is Over. It is funny and brilliant. And I can attest it will make you laugh and cry at the same time on an airplane. It's such a good book, and I can't wait to talk about it. But first, hi, how are you? We haven't talked since last summer. Yeah, which is, <laughs> I love that I have that relationship with you where I'm like, oh, you know, once a year I get to Our talk to Sam. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm coming up the end of the publication week, and so I'm like, uh, I'm dragging myself across the finish line. But it's really yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to authors during the pandemic, and they mm-hmm. were all like, Oh, I miss book tour. I miss being out there. But like by the end of pandemic, they were like, I'm used to it. And now yes. I'm talking to authors who are like, I don't want to go back outside to sell this book. Are you <laughs> eager to like be on the road? I I look, I love being in the moment. There okay. is no place I feel more yeah. like myself yeah. than when I'm like in front of a group of people. Like I'm a megalomaniac. But like <laughs> the plane stuff, the yeah. Yeah, the travel stuff, that is where I'm like, can I just snap yeah. my fingers and be there? I will say something happened after COVID. Air travel just took on white refrigerator energy. And it is perpetually <laughs> the ghetto. Like every time I go to the airport now, I'm just like, it's going to get delayed. It's going to get canceled. Something bad's oh, yeah. going to happen. I'm not going to get there on time. 
Yeah, every single flight I've taken has been like delayed in the most deranged way. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, actually, unfortunately, half the country fell off, so we have to land in Houston. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, is that yeah. bad? They're like, oh, it happens. Yeah. And I hate to be that guy who's like, well, this is our new climate change reality. But it's like if it every is. day there's like a crazy thunderstorm yeah. or I don't know. Or like it's a, too hot know, for the planes to take off. Like too, literally. That, that yeah. one where you're like, well, maybe yeah. we shouldn't be going anywhere. Maybe we should be sitting yeah. on our hands. I think the solution to all of this is just to like let Phoenix go. Yeah, she got to go. <laughs> Phoenix, Had a good run. Poor Fe- Phoenix, poor you can't. Phoenix. No more. No more. You know, it's a dry heat, but you know what? We're good. I think we're good on that. We're um, good on Phoenix. It is. <laughs> I digress. Shall we play a game? Yeah, love games. Okay, this one is very simple. It's called mm-hmm. Into It yes. or Not Into It. Are you into or not into? Reality stars, including Bethany Frankel, organizing to potentially sue NBC Universal and Bravo. Have you I seen am, this? I have seen it, and I am into it. Okay. With some qualifications, you know. Oh, tell me, tell me. I think, okay, so the reality TV industrial complex, we, we're all basically watching Squid Game. Um, we put our most <laughs> emotionally unstable people on television. Yeah, we, we don't send our best. We don't we send do, our best. We're not sending our best. <laughs> and we've promised them, like, hey, if you act deranged uh, while being kidnapped by a bunch mm-hmm. of television producers, you can eventually get about a million followers on Instagram and sell some sort of houseware or fitness program yeah. Um, or water supplement for the rest yeah. of your life. Enjoy. You know? And you will leave the house that you were in for this show a full alcoholic. Because all oh, they give truly. you is alcohol. Yeah. Right. And like, that's the American dream. Um, <laughs> I don't think a lot of people really understand what goes into reality television. They think, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get a villain edit. I'm going to be fine. I think that. And I know. I've done a lot of reading and research about what happens. I'm like, well, I just wouldn't be the drunk. I'm like, girl, who would? What? Well, also, sometimes you just can't help but be the drunk. There are some of these stories from reality show contestants who were saying there was no water in the house, just alcohol. Yeah. And these producers know when you're your most vulnerable and they can play on that. So it's like saying that I wouldn't act like that in that context. The context changes you and they want you to be changed. This letter that lawyers sent, it's kind of wild. I'm going to quote from Vulture here. Uh, They reported that according to the letter, attorneys are investigating deliberate attempts to manufacture mental instability by plying cast members with alcohol and depriving them of food and sleep, covering up acts of sexual violence, refusing to allow cast members to leave their shows, and denying mental health treatment to cast members who are displaying obvious and alarming signs of mental deterioration. It really is Squid Game. (laughs) You're right. No, it truly is. Yeah, and like... Part of it is like, okay, this is the whole dangerous ecosystem. Everybody has signed up for it. But I do think it is clear. We all know that producers manipulate people Mm -hmm. into good drama, you know? Yes. It's interesting that Bethany has, you know, she posted on, I believe it was her Instagram. Yeah. She was talking about how there should there needs to be minimum pay for a weekly pay, I think $5,000 minimum for reality stars and uh, reality show performers and, you know, just different workplace protections. Reality stars are the stepchildren, the losers, the mules, the pack horses. The Labor ones. queen Bethany Frankel. Okay, right. sure. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. we're just so close to realizing, like, hey, shouldn't everyone have workplace protections? Shouldn't everyone go. have a minimum basic yeah. uh, quality of life and income? I don't know. 
There are some stories I see, and we keep seeing stories of these contestants being treated badly. Someone from Love is Blind season two is suing over some Mm -hmm. issues. But there was a big reality show flare-up on Below Deck, this Bravo show that follows the crew of, like, a yacht. Mm -hmm. And, well, the whole cast was getting drunk. And then one of the cast members, a woman, was really, really drunk and, like, went to her bed to pass out. Mm -hmm. Another person on the show a man tried to storm into her room to sexually assault her and at the very last second producers had to pull him out of the room oh my god and it's like part of me says all right we need workplace protections to fix that but part of me also says the format itself inherently makes that kind of behavior you've got these people on camera all day Mm -hmm. you've got them living and working and breathing on this ship all the time and you keep them drunk The format's never going to be a workplace that is fully protected if that's the workplace. I remember when Rachel Lindsay was the Bachelorette, and there was one— First Black um, Bachelorette, right? First Black Bachelorette, yeah. yeah. And it was hard going um, Mm -hmm. for her. It it, Mm -hmm. it was clear that they had not set her up for success. And one of the contestants, or one of the Bachelors, was clearly like— a racist bully mm. um oh. but he just like knew enough not to like get caught in it he was just like the snake on the show you know yeah. and he got so far and rachel spoken out later and be, like and said like they kept all this from me so they put her in danger you know mm-hmm. and like why would you to even get good put tv yeah. yeah yeah the only people that i've seen lee pick fights with have been not the people that uh, he's used to seeing on a daily basis from a cultural perspective what do you mean you know exactly what I mean when I say that. The longer Lee sticks around, the more everyone will become aware of his intolerance. Why would you put a racist on a show in the, in, in the first place with the first Literally. Black Bachelorette? Well, it creates drama. But is that drama st- like drama we want to see? There you go. I don't think so. These shows don't have to do any better yet because people still keep signing up for these shows and people still keep watching them. Oh, yeah. Like, is this going to change anything? Like, I, I'm not sure it will. It's quite possible that all these suits are settled. Like, this could just be a thing that we move past, I wonder. Like, is this a tipping point? Is this a change? Oh, as long this is there's a gold rush. You know, it's a fame gold rush. And so yeah. I think, it, just as with the gold rush, it was like, you could go out there and get eaten by a cougar. You know, people are like, oh, I think it might be <laughs> I dangerous. I won't get eaten by a cougar, not me. No, because the opportunity is you could become New York, uh, yeah. you know, Tiffany Pollard. You, you could, could become, become Kelly Clarkson. This is a different become, kind of reality show. Hello. And not drink, they aren't drinking alcohol on The Voice or American Idol, right. but that's reality TV. You could become you could become president of the United States. I mean, oh, okay, oh like, Lord, yeah. I mean, not to not to bring up, <laughs> you know, that guy, that the guy. Peach. It's true, but though. like I was being facetious earlier. But I do think this is the, it's American, the American dream. dream. But it's the backdoor American dream. It's <gasps> like oh, not bootstraps or whatever. It's like we all believe secretly that we that we would win, are, that we would do it, that we, we, are we would being win famous. it. Yeah, we are lucky, we are interesting, mm-hmm. and that people should watch us for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah, and because there are some that keep going to show after show after show. I will say though, if we had to create and storyboard a reality show that was nice to its contestants and drama free, mm-hmm. what is the conceit of that show? What is the conceit of your show that's not toxic? The shows that are in the Bake Off vein get pretty close, you know. Oh yeah, making it with um, 
Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. And Project Runway, I think, actually does a pretty good job of oh, this. Oh, that's true. That's true. They don't do dramatic edits that much. And so I think a show that doesn't reward bad behavior so much as play into the inherent drama of a person attempting to do something. So, but if you are looking for like, oh, a house full of people, I don't know. I, I'm interested, you know, I, I live in Philadelphia and in West Philly, there's a whole bunch of like houses with like six, seven, ten people living and, you know, communal living. Ooh. I want to see a, a house, like a, a reality show about like true communal living, like a polycule house. Like, oh. I want to see the <laughs> You don't need any alcohol to get drama in that no. situation. No, because really, you're just having a whole bunch of meetings where they follow Robert's Rules of Order and talk about, <laughs> like, dishwashing uh, schedules. And I'm yeah. very much here for that. Listen, all I know is I want the same woman in Georgia who just indicted Donald Trump for a thousand <laughs> charges. Let her come clean up reality TV. Put some oh Rico charges on Bravo and oh NBC Universal. Get How about here. that? <laughs> Get some Rico charges on them. The indictment includes 41 felony counts and is 97 pages long. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Were you into or not into learning this week that the real-life story behind the Oscar-winning film mm. The Blind Side is possibly a total scam. Really, I think what you're doing is so great. To open up your home to him, and, honey, you're changing that boy's life. No. He's changing mine. Well, you know what? I, <laughs> I'm not into it, but I'm also... Yeah, I was like, yeah, that tracks. Uh, I was, I've never been less surprised by something in my life. I didn't even have to click on the link. I was like, oh, yeah, I think I felt that spiritually. Um, <laughs> spiritually. I never even watched the movie because I was like, I don't need this plot line. No, I don't me neither. need it. 
I don't. I've need never. It. I've never seen it. I thought about watching it. You know, now that all this stuff is going down, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm good on white saviorism. I think I got the cliff notes. I watched the the clip on the Oscars, and I was like, got it. Thank yeah. you. Also, not surprised at all. Sandra Bullock deserved the Oscar for Miss Congeniality, not for The Blind Side. This I'm right. Yeah, I'm that right. was a career Oscar. That was a Literally. career Oscar, yes. which is fine. People fine. are talking about like, oh, she's got to give it back. First of all, she's not reading her she, tweets. Yeah, like and yeah. like her husband Oscar, just died. She's not worried about us. She's dealing with stuff. No, no, and you know, I feel I feel awful that she's caught up in this. Part of it is sort of like, okay, yeah, actors should probably do a little bit more research um, when they take a role. But on the other hand. You can't have like Sandra Bullock doing a forensic audit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. she's, she's not going to like subpoena every member of the Tui family. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. she's playing a character, and she was playing a character that you know we liked, and apparently that person maybe is not that likable. So, yeah. hey, mission accomplished. That's acting. <laughs> so this story is kind of wild. This week, retired NFL star Michael Orr, whose story inspired The Blind Side, he petitioned the Tennessee court and alleged that the family who took him in years ago, in which the mother was played by Sandra Bullock, uh, and whose story became the film The Blind Side, Michael Orr claims that they were actually taking advantage of him and that they didn't adopt him. They just put him into a conservatorship oh like Britney God. Spears. If there's one thing that we as a nation are agreed on is that we do not like conservatorships uh, for people who are famous. Um, We don't like we have we've all gone to law and order law school in the field of conservatorships. (laughs) So the minute the headline said conservatorship, I was like, jail, jail for all of them. Literally jail. jail. Yeah. Yeah. Call the Hague. Yeah. Well, and what's wild about it is apparently this family was already rich. They yes. didn't need to do this. <laughs> they yes. were just like, give us your money, baby. Ugh. It's so odd. And it's like, look, he says that he was told that he was being adopted. He was over 18. And so, like, it's easier or better to just do a conservatorship. And then all of a sudden, there's a book and there's a movie. And he hasn't re- he signed away his life rights and they didn't. That's wow. weird to me. Also, the fact that life rights exist. like, I mean, truly... Truly, Faustian bargain much? Like, right, what the right. Hell? Yeah, who is this for? Yes. And it's interesting because it's like, yeah, inside of a story, any one person can sign away the, their life rights, and that wow. gets you access to the other people in the story. And some you can portray oh. any, anybody you want to, but like, why was it him? Why didn't Leanne sign away her life rights? You know, yeah, their lawyer says that they haven't seen a cent from this movie. Okay, well, who's, who's got, got the money? The money? Right? Because it's not Sandra. Sandra is no. Sandra Bullock Although, innocent. Yes, she's innocent. But this is now the second time where she's been like in the proximity of a racism. Mm. So, like, you remember years ago, one of her exes, uh, Jesse oh, James, yes. he was maybe a neo-Nazi. Yeah. And I don't think Sandra knew at first and she got away from him. But I'm like, all right, right now, Sandra Bullock, you have a permanent invite to the cookout. But you're walking mighty close to people who will never get an invite to the cookout. So be careful. Yeah. Speaking of white saviors, though, um, (laughs) also this week in Wow, Was That Film Problematic, uh, Jessica Chastain in a recent interview said that she wants to be in a sequel to The Help Mm. where her character and Octavia Spencer's character, a black maid, live together and raise Chastain's character's baby together Uh. as best friends. They hate what they think I did. They hate you because they think you white trash. Oh, girl, I haven't been less <laughs> into 
a story. I'm so I'm I'm so not into it. I'm I'm back into it again. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. God bless. God bless. You know what, Jessica Chastain? Like, I know that she and Octavia Spencer are friends, and like she's you know she's done great work to like normalize pay inequality. I think even on the help um, okay. with Octavia Spencer, I, there was a story that they told around that. But I feel like, and I don't you know, no shade to any of my actor friends. Actors sometimes have big ideas that they absolutely should never do. They're like, wouldn't it be fun if we did this? And it's like, for you. I do feel like she has both missed the message of the movie Help, The Help, and also completely understood the message of the movie The Help. I just, there is, find any other story. You know, yeah. Minnie, we love, oh, we love Minnie. What, what a fun character. She made the pie. Ron Howard's daughter ate poop. Amazing. Now, we got to move on. Well, and this is the thing that I thought had happened with The Help. I thought everybody knew that it was time to just stop propping up that movie. Because mm. a few years after its release, Viola Davis, one of right. the stars of The Help, was like, yeah, that didn't feel right. Yeah. She was like, this did not feel right. She was on the record saying that. And I'm kind of like, all right, if Viola Davis has spoken... Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the that on that. So I assumed the entire cast of that film would just stop talking about this movie. Jessica Chastain, move on. You, you've you actually won an Oscar for something else. You got your Oscar for being, was she, was she Tammy Faye Baker and got that Oscar for that? Was that the Oscar moment? I don't know. It's so funny. I feel like Jessica Chastain's Oscar is also sort of like a, you're just great. Um, <laughs> But I guess it was Tammy Fett. It was. Yeah. yeah. I forgot all about that. I think what the moral of this story is, uh, Jessica Chastain should stop doing press for a while. <laughs> and Sandra Bullock should only work with black people for like the next 10 years. We want to help you, know you girl. We want to help I you. Think so. Maybe Sandra Bullock should do um, a sequel to The Help. Wait, no, sorry. I'm, I think I've misunderstood the we assignment. We got to go. Got to, you need to retake the class. <laughs> All right, last one. Speaking of white people behaving problematically, are you into or not into Bradley Cooper's nose in the stills we've seen for his upcoming Leonard Bernstein biopic, Maestro? Oh, that's 12. No. (laughs) Six. No. Leonard Bernstein, one of the most famous American composers of the last century, was Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and to embody that role, Bradley Cooper, who was producing, directing, and starring in the film, has a prosthetic nose that is so big that some folks are saying it is anti-Semitic. You know, I, I'm not into this. I've listened to uh, what a lot of my Jewish friends have written about it and said, the people I respect a lot. And one of the points that people bring up is that it doesn't even look like Bernstein's nose, you know? And so, like, like, why are we doing this? It's this impression of of Jewishness as opposed to, like, uh, lifelikeness. And so I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't get why he would do it. Yeah. You know, and Jake Gyllenhaal wanted, has wanted to do That's this movie for a long time, right? Yeah. Um, and now he can't do it, or at least not now, but maybe, you know, he can do it when he's older and wear his original nose. I just don't, I also just don't know, we as a culture need to stop working with prosthetic noses until we figure out what we're trying to do here. Um, there you go. Because the hours, like, great, congratulations, wonderful performance. Did we need the nose? I don't know that we needed the nose. <laughs> But you remember the nose for the rest of your life. The nose exactly. in the hours is its own character. 
I'll never forget when Nicole Kidman won the Oscar for the hours. Denzel Washington opened the envelope and he was like, buy a nose. Buy a nose, Nicole Kidman. (laughs) The delicious shade. Let Denzel play Leonard Bernstein. I want to watch that movie. (laughs) That is, I'm very much for that. I'm very much for that. I will say every few years, a celebrity actor does a prosthetic body modification thing for a role where everyone's just like, why did you do that? Remember a few years ago when Zoe Saldana was Nina Simone? Oh, my God. And she literally was a black woman who did blackface? It's even hard. It's hard to explain, but when you see it, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Who, who yeah. said yes to this? Who is saying yes? And every day you get into makeup and you're like, here I am. I'm doing it again. I'm doing wearing it again. a foundation. This must be okay. <laughs> right. Like, wear my Fenty Beauty shade that is 90 shades too dark. <laughs> I think Nina's daughter was sort of like, what is this? Mm-hmm. But like, Leonard Bernstein's kids came They're out like, and it's said, cool. yeah, we love this for Bradley. And like, you know, I can't imagine getting that call. Like, hi, the nose is creating a problem. Can you get a release a statement about your dad's nose? Get out of here! <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I try not to wade into the, the waters of who should play what, you know, especially, you know, like, I don't have a, I don't have a penny in the nickel of the conversation of who should play Jewish uh, characters, but I think about it a lot with gay characters. Mm. And, you know, sometimes I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like, eh, case by case. I don't know. But it's sort of like if you are trying to communicate something that is culturally unique and specific, mm-hmm. and you don't, you show that you either you don't get it or you don't care about it by making these aesthetic, prosthetic choices. Yeah. I don't know. It makes me, I have questions. I have questions. I will say the fix for all of this is just having a rule that states from now on, any film made that features a composer or a conductor, that role must be played by Kate Blanchett. <laughs> I want Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tarr as Leonard Bernstein <laughs> conducting Maria Maria from West Side Story. That's what I want. And in the middle of Maria, she starts fighting the flute player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's the end of the game. You clearly won. We're on the same page with all of this stuff. Congratulations to my guest, R. Eric Thomas, for winning the game. And congratulations to Kate Blanchett for being Kate Blanchett. We will be back in a bit to talk about an amazing book. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. 
You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. One of my favorite guests is still here with me, R. Eric Thomas. And now we're going to talk about not Kate Blanchett, not Bradley <laughs> Cooper, not Jessica Chastain, just his new book. It is called Congratulations, The Best Is Over. It is a wonderful, beautiful, poignant book of essays that will make you laugh and cry at the same time. Congrats on the book. How are you feeling now that it's out in the world? I feel really great. I am, you know, I am wishing I talked more about Kate in the book. Um, but you know what? There's always a sequel. There's always another book. Yeah. There's yeah. always time. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, it's like you say, you you laugh and you cry in the book. And my first book, I think, was, for the most part, it was mostly humorous essays about coming of age, mm-hmm. um, the intersection of blackness, queerness, and Christianity. And this one is more of a coming of middle age book. And it's it, definitely a lot of funny things happen in the book, but it also uh, talks a lot about feeling disoriented, feeling out of place in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it moves into the pandemic, a time when we were all kind of disoriented. And so there was a real vulnerability in the book that I was nervous about because I was like, oh, people are going to see the real me. And that has like really opened up some beautiful doors. People just have really? responded in a, in a great way. Um, yeah. So... It's you know it's it's that old age old lesson like you let people see you and and they they respond you know they you they they give themselves back yeah well and what I've enjoyed so much in watching the trajectory of your writing the last few years is that with every new chapter of your writing you share more of yourself in this beautiful way you know you came to fame uh, writing this amazing column for L.com for a few years. And you covered the insanity of the Trump era with sass and grace and impeccable one-liners. And people forget, you helped make Auntie Maxine a thing. Your writing about Maxine Waters made her a national hero and queen of the internet. And, you know, people came to know you through that. Fun, quippy, snarky, sassy writing about current events and politics. And then you fast forward to this book, And it is this beautiful meditation on aging and middle age and depression. (laughs) What would you, yeah? What would you say to fans of your culture writing from L.com who were like, "Girl, what is this?" (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I would say uh, stick around for the jokes, as uh, as Leia Michelle, as Fanny Bryce would say, Um, because you know, I think. The undercurrent of the column in L was always um, this desire that we all have to feel seen, to engage in something that's bigger than ourselves. And so when I would write about Maxine Waters or write about Aretha Franklin starting a feud with Dionne Warwick using a fax machine, it was... <laughs> I forgot was, about that, but oh my uh, God. The best make moment. That, make that movie, Bradley <laughs> <Yes>! Cooper. Oh, <laughs> 
Bradley Cooper, stay away from that. Stay away from Aretha Franklin. No more music. Imagine them dressing up Bradley Cooper as Aretha Franklin. I'm sorry. I'm digressing here. Oh, my God. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. But no, I mean, like, inherent. you know, they were full of jokes, but it was also, you know— when you have pop culture conversations, and I have to tell you this, this is what you do and you prove all the time, you are also sort of expressing who you are as a person. And mm-hmm. so I continue to use pop culture in this book to express who I am as a person. After I moved back to my hometown of Baltimore, I was feeling outside of my own life while writing this column. So online, I'm known by everybody and in my hometown, like nobody was recognizing me. Um, like, <laughs> How dare not they? Even, not even no like taste. Like, no no taste. Not even, <laughs> truly, I was like, don't you know? But even like, I couldn't make friends. I once went to this funeral at the church I used to go to, and I hadn't been there for twenty years. And it was um, it was for a dear friend of the family, and so I went back with my parents and my younger brother and. People would come up to my parents and to my brother and greet them. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. It's been a long time. And then they reach out to me and they'd be like, "Hello, sir. Welcome to church. You ever been here before? Are you saved?" And I'm like, like, "It's me. <laughs> it's me." And they're like, "Oh, well, you're bald now." And I'm like, "Why? Well, yes. Sorry. Time moves on." And so I felt like, "Oh, I'm outside my life." And so I'm having these farcical experiences. And how do I talk about that? I talk about it using pop culture. You know, I talk about how hard it is to make friends. And I and I use the second episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show as an example of trying to make friends. Or I talk about depression. And my whole depression chapter is actually about how much I love Oprah's favorite things. So yeah, it pop was culture beautiful. is still there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think so much of your writing in Elle was how discussions of pop culture can bring you joy. Mm-hmm. And so much of this book is how discussions of pop culture can comfort you in your sadness. And I liked that. I also loved, and I would love for you to read it for our listeners, you had one of the most beautiful descriptions of depression that I think I've ever read. (laughs) It's on page 65. If you have the book with you, I'd love for you to read it for folks. Let me flip it open here. 65. Yeah. I'm tempted to say that I have a struggle with depression because that's the commonly used phrase, but it's really more of an ongoing partnership than a struggle. Depression just hangs out with me like a lax babysitter who is ambivalent about my bedtime. Depression is a text conversation that ebbs and flows. Every once in a while, depression texts, have you seen this meme? It's going to psychologically wreck you for six months. Brunch soon? Depression is like Jiminy Cricket riding around on my shoulder, but instead of acting as my conscience, it just mumbles, you're bad, things are bad, and nothing will improve. And at this point, I'm just like, okay, like, we get a girl. Thanks. Wow. How long do you have to think about what depression means to you before you can describe it in such a clear and beautiful way? Oh, Sam, I got to tell you, this was the hardest one paragraph in this book. Really? Because my editor, yeah, for a long time, I was just writing around it. I was like, I was doing these crazy things, and Mm -hmm. I was feeling this weird disconnect between my, like, literally writing jokes all day and then being like, hmm, super sad. Yeah. And, And my editor was like, well, name it. Say what it is. And I was like, I guess I was depressed, you know? And she's like, well, why? And I was like, well, if I knew why, I wouldn't write books. I would be, a, you know, an accountant, yeah. a, fun- a functioning member of society or something. <laughs> um, so we went back and forth so much. She was like, just say it. Just write wow. it out. Write how it feels. And I was like, my brain doesn't work like that. And I, it wasn't until I found the 
pop culture similes. You know, I was like, oh, Jiminy Cricket and, you know, this, this babysitter who doesn't care about you. I needed to put it into a different container so that I could understand it. And that's just how my brain works. My brain works through thinking of things, emotions, experiences as like pop culture touchstones or memes or just other instances that feel more common. Because a lot of people have come up to me and said, I totally understand this this experience of depression. I, I've experienced this. But it's like depression tells you that you're alone and that no one else understands you. And so the only way that I know out is to be like, okay, I may be alone in this, but you all know <laughs> you all know Jiminy Cricket. Exactly. You all know Oprah's favorite things. That's what I've loved watching about your relationship with pop culture kind of changing over time. Whether you're making us laugh during the Trump era or writing a book about what it means to get older and like be sad, <laughs> pop culture is still there, you know? You write yeah. about in the book, you know, on those days where you really just want to feel sad, you can just go find some old YouTube clips of, like, sad movie scenes. You talked oh, yes. about going back and watching, was it Deborah Winger's Goodbye mm-hmm. to Her Kids uh, in, which movie? Which movie? Oh, Terms of Endearment. Terms of Endearment. Oh, my God. Yeah. And in a few years, when I haven't been around to be on your tail about something or irritating you, you're going to remember. You're going to remember that time that I bought you the baseball glove when you thought we were too broke. No, or when I, I read you those stories, or when I, I let you goof off instead of mowing the lawn, lots of things like that. And you're going to realize that you love me. What is the last video you went to on YouTube or movie clip or whatever that you went to for some, like, emotional catharsis? Oh, I know exactly what it is. It's um, Hong Chow has this astounding monologue in Downsizing, which is just okay as a movie. It's a scene that could have been played just for laughs. She, Matt Damon and Christoph Waltz are trying to use her to get to something that they need for their goal. It's too complicated to explain, but they're just trying to use her, and she plays a, um, a house cleaner. So they're trying to get through her, and she thinks that they are inviting her into the plan. And she is so deeply grateful. And she goes on this monologue about how, basically about how she had no hope, but she held on to like just a a sliver of hope. And they are the hope. And she is so grateful that she didn't let go. And she's crying. Thank you, Mr. Lucian. Thank you, Mr. Conrad. Yes, I go no way too. So help me. Thank you, special time. I saw it years ago at this hotel with a movie theater in it. And I was like, am I just like responding to this because I'm on vacation and I'm feeling great and maybe I've had a couple of drinks? But I watch it so many times. I think Hong Chao is incredible, just in everything. And to have a character so openly say, I almost let go and I didn't, mm. is remarkable to me. I think it's one of the best scenes <laughs> ever put on film. When I really need a like pick-me-up and a reliable pop culture pick-me-up, I go back to a recording of Elaine Stritch 
singing mm. the song Ladies Who Lunch mm-hmm. from the Broadway musical Company yes. of Sondheim fame, but mm-hmm. not the recording of her on stage in the musical. There's another one she does just in front of a black screen, and she's like solo on a stool. Oh. And when it gets to the point where Elaine Stritch sing yells, does anybody wear a hat? <laughs> I don't know what happens, but I feel free. And looking grim, because they've been sitting choosing a hat does anyone still wear a hat i'll drink to that every freaking time i hear you i hear you I love to sing that song. I go to this piano bar, this gay piano bar here in Philly where I live, and I love to just completely have a meltdown during that song at the piano bar, you know, holding an actual martini, sloshing it around, you know, dinosaur surviving the crunch. Like, you just find so much stuff in it. And that's that's the magic about pop culture. It gives us access to these bigger feelings, to this larger version of ourselves and our lives. And we are told to be neutral and professional and beige and regular in every aspect of our lives. And when we go to a movie or we see a musical or we listen to music or we oh, we go to a concert, it turns all the dials up and allows us to be, I think, really who we actually are, which is yes. people who feel big and who experience big. And I love that. I, I hunger for that. Well, and this is... What I love about your writing, about yourself and your life and also pop culture, you write about these things in a way that allows us to feel big. You mm. know, there's a part of this book, and this is not a spoiler, you're dealing with your emotions and depression and you're trying to figure things out and you've seen a psychiatrist and the pills aren't working and you're like, what do I do? Then you go off the pills and then you end up at the end of a musical mm-hmm. having this sobbing fit and this emotional catharsis that you had been trying to get for a very long time. And the musical did it for you. The yeah, musical yeah. did it for you. I, yeah. gosh, I love that. I love yeah. that. And I like, that's, that's to me the beauty of culture, you know? And it's like, it's not, and you know, I say this in the book, I'm not against medication. I think I was just on the wrong medication. I didn't have the right combination. And you had a but wacky sound in psychiatrist. Let yeah, me say. she looked like, a, yeah, she looked like a Kathy cartoon and she was like, <laughs> She didn't have an office. She just like was in this like old mansion, like, like Mrs. Havisham. And oh I was like, God. what's happening here? Yeah. Why am I giving you $100? Yeah. She met with me for like 10 minutes. And she's like, ah, I gotcha. Ack, here's a, here's a little <laughs> prescription. And I was like, this can't be legal. But you know, it's very easy to get drugs in America. And um, so it, they just weren't the right combination, shockingly. But... I was able to access that river of feeling of of grief and joy and longing and all the other complicated things by sitting in the audience of this play. And that is the thing that I, that's what I hunger for when I sit down in a movie or go to a musical or do anything. I want to feel more, bigger. Yes. Big um, feels, yeah. I want the big feels. And that's, that is also when I f- turn on a, my streaming service and I see some show that maybe doesn't matter, I get disappointed because yeah. I, I, wanna I want to turn it to on, matter. Yeah. yeah I want to turn on the TV and I want to feel everything yeah. because I have so little time. We have so little time mm-hmm. on this, on this earth and what we experience, what we consume, the ways that we understand ourselves through pop culture shouldn't be disposable. They should stick to us. 
in this chapter where you have the emotional catharsis at the end of the play, you end the essay so beautifully. You write, I just want to get to the truth. I write to get to the truth. I watch to see the truth. I go to the theater to find the truth. I laugh and I cry and I gasp. And at the end, I clap and I clap and I clap until my hands hurt. Oh, mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else is there? You know, and it's like, that is not maybe an everyday thing that you can do. I, I don't know. Um, but I want to feel. And I think it's possible. I know it's possible. I know it's yeah. possible for all of us. And we need it. Yeah. And I remember the first, I think the first musical that I, professional musical I saw was called Serafina. And it was at the Kennedy Center in D.C. It was, you know, I'd seen like Into the Woods on, on the PBS uh, broadcast, but I don't, I don't think I'd seen a live musical before. And there's this like tragic thing that happens at the end of the first act. And I was like maybe like seven, eight years old. And I like, burst into tears and I was like wailing in the theater. And I was like, why did they do that? And it was embarrassing to me. But it was also, I was like, oh, this is magic. And that is possible for everything. I think about, I think about Regina King about to step into the water at the end of Watchmen. The chills that I got, the chill-inducing moments that I've experienced thanks to pop culture throughout my life are some of the greatest gifts. I went to the Beyonce concert um, recently. Yeah. And it was the, I saw it in D.C. And let me tell you, FedEx Field is a ratchet venue. Um, Ooh, I've it was, heard, I've heard. It was atrocious, atrocious. No shade to the employees, all shade to anybody who has decision-making uh, capability. But the minute she began, I was blasted into another space. Mm-hmm. And I felt, I felt everything. I felt empowered. I felt black. I felt super queer. I felt loved and embraced and challenged. And you don't get that when you're, you know, just on your commute always or at your yeah. desk or having small talk. And I don't want small talk. I want big talk. I want Paul Bunyan. <laughs> you know? Yes. Big talk and big feelings. Listeners, if you want some big feelings, get this book. I'm telling you, it's so good. It is called Congratulations. The Best is Over. You need this book of essays in your life. Yeah. Yeah, you, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you do. do. We've already optioned the life rights uh, for our Eric Thomas <laughs> to Bradley Cooper. So uh, watch for that biopic. <laughs> well, you know, I got my I got a wall full of prosthetic noses already for him. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It is always such a treat to talk with you. Uh, come back on this show and don't wait a year next time to do it. Uh, you know what? Anytime. Thank <laughs> I you. adore you. Thank, Thank you. you. Likewise. Thank you so much. All right, Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zen. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kurwa. Listeners, we are back Tuesday with a brand new episode. Till then... Go watch Tick, Tick, Boom so you can stop thinking about Bradley Cooper as a Leonard Bernstein. Okay, bye. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. 
Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.